Welcome everyone to Simply Living Wellness, where you'll learn how to love yourself, heal yourself, and how to nurture your mind, body, and spirit. So today we're here to talk with Carrie Ann Smith, who is a trained acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist and a practitioner of transformational arts. She lives local to me, and so I've been able to personally experience and benefit from Carrie Ann's work for at least the past 10 years now. So Carrie Ann has many modalities in her toolbox that she could talk to us about, but today we're going to focus on the long-distance healing work that she does. She calls this work Engaging with One's Holographic Landscape, and it's different from traditional energy work that many of us are familiar with. It can be like seeing pieces of a living movie or symbols around the client versus just sensing energy. And she aids the shift of the energy in the session. So she's going to be explaining more about this. She also has promised to teach us two simple yet very effective exercises for grounding and balancing yourself. Carrie Ann Smith is a licensed acupuncturist and certified Chinese medicine practitioner, both in the state of California and nationally. She received a Master's of Science in Traditional Chinese Medicine in 2004 from the Academy of Chinese Culture and Health Sciences in Oakland, California. Today, she's moved on to offering a non-traditional method of acupuncture named Esoteric Acupuncture. Carrie Ann also offers what she came to call holographic landscape sessions, both in her office and long distance via the internet or telephone. So Carrie Ann, welcome. It's so nice to have you join us today. Donna, thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. It's really delightful to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I, uh, like I mentioned, I've been working with Carrie Ann for over 10 years. It's got to be at least that. And she has so much to share with us. Like I said, we're going to talk about this holographic landscape. So why don't you just start, Carrie Ann, by giving us um, a little bit of background on how you got into this type of work from just doing the acupuncture and Chinese medicine. Well, Donna, it's so delightful to have had you in my office all these many years and developed our friendship, which has been really great. And I know that you've witnessed a lot of evolution in those years, which is super fun for us to come together and talk about today. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, acupuncture school, anybody will tell you, it's a four-year program I did in three years, very all-consuming, really wonderful. And Yet I was doing energy work before then. I just really wasn't, you know, it's almost like I had my little mystical life and I had my, you know, working in the world life. And so I was working for a physician before I went to acupuncture school and I had this very profound experience on how I went to acupuncture school. And so it's been a progression like anything we have in life, right? It's a lot longer than the sort of the snapshot. So the snapshot really began with, Obviously, the acupuncture training and being in the right profession for my sensitivity to energy. So that was a great thing that happened. Hmm. And then I have been guided to really, really, I would say, poignant and important teachers over the years, whether that be 20 years ago or more recently. And so I studied with this really fun, really, again, I had another experience on how I ended up even hearing about this person. 
and he was the first one, this is about in 2009, he was the first one I ever heard really talk about holographic and what the science was about really that we are inhabiting these living holograms that we are ourselves, like our bodies, our energy field, our meridians, our chakras, you know, any, many, or, or many ways you can describe it. And so he was really studying a lot of the quantum physics at the time. And I had been reading quantum physics books before that. And so I kind of, I heard that for the first time. And then I, you know, started working with um, another aspect of my life and holographic understanding kept coming through, kept coming through, kept coming through. And so it was explained that that's the closest understanding that we have about a more accurate nature of reality. So what we talk about with holograms, so people go, well, what's a hologram anyway? You know, that's a good question. Yes. You know, it's, on our, <laughs> it's on our driver's license, right? And credit uh -huh. cards and some, some of the paper money. And I remember standing in the physics class in 1983. I thought about this last night. And he produced a living hologram and we'd walk around it. And, you know, the thing I love to comment on is in Star Wars, that moment where, you know, young um, Luke Skywalker turns on the little device and we see an image of Carrie Fisher, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's a living hologram, right? So that early on, they even were having this in the movies. It always amazes me. <laughs> so the idea that, you know, we are this living stream of information and light, and this is not actually new science. This is from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Interesting. And, mm -hmm. and so how the pieces are getting put together, of course, is what the new science is. And so the idea is, is that when you look at the system, any piece of the system is going to represent the whole. That's kind of the idea of the hologram. If you cut any segment, you'll have all the identical information inside. Hmm. So the progression for me was it was an introduction of this idea and different types of things like that. And what I found over the years, because I was doing long distance work, is that it started to make sense why I didn't necessarily perceive people traditionally like seeing the aura or uh, I could sense energy for sure, but my representation of it all seemed a little different. Hmm. And people will find that with their intuitive gifts or their, in, you know, their healing work or whatever. And so I was doing long distance work and I didn't have a name for it. And how that came about is someone said, you need to call Carrie Ann because if she's not doing long distance work yet, she better be. <laughs> and so she's a friend of mine and she, so I, I said, okay. I started doing long distance work with this woman and I had some modalities like you mentioned. Um, and I worked that way for years. Hmm. And then I received a reading, oddly enough, I don't think I ever told you this, a very specific set of cards representing very specific words, terms and energies. And I put it all together. I made my own deck of cards, kind of like uh, pulling an angel card type of idea. Yeah. And then I started doing these readings and I had never done, well, early on I had done intuitive readings in my development classes, but I thought readings, I'm like an energy girl, right? So um, anyway, so I offered these readings mm -hmm. and I called those the holographic landscape reading because at that point I kind of felt like, all right, I'm seeing, perceiving things differently. 
I'm literally seeing the person as clear light, their body and around them as clear light, and something was beginning to get kind of, I would say, clarified for me. So anyway, from those readings came the name for the sessions. What I perceive and the way that I use some of the methods is, you know, your shoulder might represent something totally different than your shoulder. And now somebody might sense the energy. Well, you have some stuck energy in your shoulder, right? Mm -hmm. I, know, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about these ideas. And sense that, and I sense maybe this is something you're holding from the past. Okay, that's very effective. Mm -hmm. But it just never showed up that way for me. So organically, I would say that's kind of how it all evolved. Well, so instead of you just sensing their shoulder and then asking, is there stuck energy there? You, you, what, what would you see differently? You would see. Well, I would say that when we start looking at energy, we still have this idea, you know, energy means to exert work, do some kind of work in physics, right? Energy, mm -hmm. cause and effect. So my teacher had, at the time early on was very much suggesting that if we can get to the place where a shoulder isn't a shoulder, and it's just a living stream of light, then we're a lot less limited to what the shoulder problem might really be about. Mm. And so the holographic concept that they are coming out with, I've got a great book, has a ton of science in it, um, that summarizes the science from the 1600s. It's called The Cosmic Hologram, The Information at the Center of Creation. It's written by a physicist. And what they're really finding is, is that past the quantum area, right, which is tiny, 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 mm -hmm. it's just light. It's just light and information. And, and it could even be sound waves or it could be geometry. It's so fundamental that it produces everything, really, is the way to look at mm -hmm. it. Okay. I know it's kind of an expansive view, but it started making sense to me on how people would start presenting themselves to me. Even in my office, I would be like, wow, okay, let's, let's work with this part because it's not, it's not what it's representing. It's really something else. Mm -hmm. And so it's allowed me, I feel, more flexibility to recognize that the physical body is a representation. And that representation, as you know from, from different healing modalities, that might be an emotional thing, or it might be um, a symbol, or, you know, it's all going to be relevant to that person. Mm -hmm. so their living landscape is, is essentially what I've learned to look at it like. Interesting. Okay. So you started sensing that you were seeing it a little bit differently, and then you experienced with this one client long distance, and then how did it evolve from there? Well, I continued doing the long distance work with the tools that I had, obviously not acupuncture needles, although you can do, you know, long distance etheric acupuncture needles. Um, the way it all, all came for me is, is that working, we, some people say working in the field, right? Working in the greater field of the person. Whatever tool would come in would be the tool needed in that moment. So it might be pulling from different modalities I've used, again, symbols, information, intuitive insights, you know, even messages from their guides or different ways that information gets symbolized. 
So it was a part of that progression of learning how to just be in the field with the person and work with the information as it shows up. And people's systems, Donna, are so wise. And that's what the shift really gave me was, you know, we could talk about meridians and yeah, I can sense people's patterns with their bodies, with the acupuncture for sure. But it, it freed me, I guess, as a, in a way to not be as limited in my thinking or presumption about a particular system. Mm. And so my teacher, he was, I think he's a very wise person. He says, you know, techniques are great. Recognize it's a technique. So then you're in the energetic archetype energy or pattern of a technique, right? So then if you're working with light and information, a technique might happen, but you're not bound by that. And so always, I think so many of us, you know, I know for you for sure, we're looking to be in that place of more freedom mm. where, we, where we are less limited. And so as a practitioner, the less limited I can be, the more open I can be to really what's going on, the shifts happen easier for the person. And oftentimes they report back to me how effortlessly it changed. It's really been my progression. And like I said, good teachers, you know. Mm -hmm. So the shifts can happen later on or during the session? It could, you know, and, and I was really thinking about this. So what I do is if people were to imagine, you know, a big sphere around them, it's not really a sphere, but that idea, then we're bringing whatever is needed for either the target. So the target could be a problem. Or it could be something they just want augmentation on, like a creative project, I feel stuck, you know, some kind of change in my property, the energy's gotten weird here, I don't know what's going on. So it doesn't have to be a human physical problem. But that's our target, or a collection of targets, if you will. And so then we're bringing energy and whatever needs to shift that focus point. Now what's interesting, because the system is so wise, and so intelligent, and that's what I keep just marveling over after all these years. Hmm. It might be something completely unrelated to our focus that changes for the person. Because we couldn't see they were related, but they were. Ah, uh, interesting. You know, so how everything's connected, right? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes people feel a big change in the moment, that's answering your question, but then things like keep rippling out like a pebble in the pond. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, with the many systems people use for energy work, that same thing can happen because we're making an, an important shift for that person and it can keep rippling out like that. Fascinating. So... How about the science behind this holographic concept? You talked a little bit about it, but can you expand mm -hmm. a little more without getting too technical on it? I know, it's challenging. <laughs> I don't want people to go, oh no, quantum physics. So the study of our systems being light and that our large molecules in DNA produce light, which they know this now, it really began in 1976 with a physicist I believe he was in um, Vienna at the time. And he's well known. And so the study of our bodies producing light and our bodies producing different waveforms, you know, different waves, 
this has been studied and I think people go, well, there's no science to the energy medicine. And I just say, well, you haven't found the right books yet because there is a lot of science and a lot of uh, explanation and they're developing more measuring devices. So the holographic idea is, you know, Einstein was really going for, you know, in his journey, he knew there was something that unified everything, right? He knew it. Mm -hmm. And he talked about it, you know, a little bit. And so when you look at the science we have today, we have pieces of it. Okay, so, you know, Newtonian physics allows a rocket to get off the planet, right? Mm -hmm. It allows us to build a bridge so people are safe. And quantum physics begins to explain how everything's, you know, connected and more energized by forces that they still don't understand. I mean, we have theory about electricity, but we don't have proof about electricity. It's interesting, you know? Interesting, yes. Yeah, so it's like we have these pieces, and I love my lights, and I'm sure you do, and I love the computer with the electricity, right, my washing machine. <laughs> so it doesn't mean these, these things don't work. It's just that we don't have the full explanation as to why these pieces don't all fit together. So they fit together, but we use them separately. And mm -hmm. Einstein knew that. And so he really, you know, knew that at some point past his life, we would come to this idea on whatever the unified field theory would be. And he had his ideas, obviously. So more physicists have gone further. And the idea of the holographic principle really came out in 1995 it was a dutch physicist what, what was his name uh do you have it handy gerard te hooft okay good job sorry doctor <laughs> i didn't get your name right 1993 and this is what he said he proposed forward the proposal that all the information contained in a region of three-dimensional space, which would be, you know, around somebody even, is represented as a hologram and all the information represented in a two-dimensional image. So that idea that the space around us, the space within us, is the information that kind of brings it all together, he was one of the first people that started really thinking about it in that way. And so you know, he put together the pieces of other physicists. And, you know, this one book, The Cosmic Hologram, is great because in the very beginning, she's a physicist and a cosmologist. She says in her introduction, the dedication is for everyone who wonders not only how our universe is as it is, but why. And for those who are willing to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And so in our country, there's been acceptable science and unacceptable science right yes <laughs> and so there are people you know highly trained physicists and people who are in the astrophysics they're asking these bigger questions and so i feel like these bigger questions also answer the match for our bodies and our systems so the holographic principle came to me and then i kind of had to understand it more and i started really reading a lot of books about these types of ideas you know mm -hmm. do the meridians are they holographic representations of information and that is one of the theories right now is that they transport light so you know it's it's still an ongoing area for sure yeah so can i ask is that different or is that the same idea as when people talk about 
everything that we see is just created, you know, by us. So like you can look at a forest, but if you're not looking, does the forest really exist? Exactly. In fact, she talks about this in this book. Okay. And so that so is the same thing you're talking it about. Is. And so being, when you recognize, you know, they've done so many studies on the observer principle, right? Mm -hmm. The observer affects reality, affects manifest physical reality. So then on the light level, then in that moment, it's our perception. Literally, we could say maybe in the light field, I mean, if that's all there really is then our perception in the moment creates that manifest reality, which is pretty fascinating. And how they'll come to more explanation around it, I think, is an ongoing area for sure. You know, all the studies were done in the 1950s, so they've only built you know, on it since then. But there is scientific studies now that even support it, you're saying? Yes, and they've continued to go beyond the initial studies. They've, yeah. even gone, they've even gone on to trying to understand with some of those studies from the 1950s why a light particle would choose to be one way or another or even how, you know, the principle of being a particle or a wave and the choice, what influences that choice? You know, they've tried to refine it more and more and more. How can an electron be in one place and then immediately be in another place? Mm, that's what they talk about in that movie, right? What the bleep do we know? It definitely touched on it in that movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think, you know, the, a lot of those speakers, quite a well few known are physicists. Mm -hmm. And so, again, they're, they're guiding us to this greater and greater principle is there has to be a unified order. You know, that's the Greek word for cosmos, was with a K at the time. It means, um, let's see here, hang on, sorry. It means ordered whole. Mm -hmm. So what we call the cosmos, everything that we could imagine and perceive, means ordered whole, according to the Greeks, who we know were very wise. Interesting. So now that you've explained that a little more, I, now I'm a little bit confused at how when you view pieces of the holographic landscape around a client, isn't that your just perception created in the moment or are you seeing what they're creating in the moment by their observation? Well, Donna, I think that's an awesome question. And Sorry. This, this is definitely taking <laughs> us into some great areas. So my, my job, if you will, is to be in a relaxed brainwave state. I balance myself within theory, hopefully, to get into like a whole, we go for now, whole brain. Not left brain, not right brain. Whole brain. Mm -hmm. Where we can instantly access beyond ourselves. Okay. You can do that with the right brain too. It's just that that's my job. My job is to be in that neutral, open, no preconceived ideas on how any of this is going to go. And I'm constantly mm -hmm. amazed on the way it goes. <laughs> so then my position is to be open to what's going on with that person. Now, my observation of that person, does that produce those symbols? That's a fascinating question because... I don't assume I know if a red apple shows up in somebody's field, for example, 
or that symbol comes, you know, and even a psychic, I know you were, you were wondering about this, even a psychic might get a red apple, but it's not for them to interpret the red apple. It's relevant to that person. Mm -hmm. So that's the key is I'm not interpreting those symbols if we're just there to work with the information of the symbol. Although sometimes that's what I might get, you know, hey, I'm getting a red apple. And, you know, what does that really mean? I'm getting to ask you, what does that mean to you? And it might trigger a memory and they might just say, I don't really know. And I say, okay, well, it's a red apple. We're going to just work with that right now. And so it sounds random, but the, the way that the system presents the information, it's fascinating and are not presuming what it means is the key. Okay. You know, okay. I don't interpret it what that might mean for the person. I might get a sense or I might get an idea, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not my preconceived idea. That's the key is I'm in that position where I don't assume what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's confusing the world of energy workers and healers out there. And we talked about maybe going into some of that about what is the difference between a psychic and you know, somebody who just reads energy or someone who sees the holographic landscape like yourself. But, you know, I'm almost thinking we might want to save that <laughs> for another conversation because, you know, it's quite involved. And I know that you promised to give us two exercises today. Yep. So I'd love to move on to that so we can give our listeners some real tools to walk away with. Um, for accessing their higher guidance and, you know, really just helping them balance and ground themselves. So let's, let's do that. Okay. Um, so why don't you start with the first one? Well, what I'm going to weave together for us is just a quick answer. So all uh, we're discussing today are ways to work with energy and information. And all, all people do the same thing, whether you're a psychic or reader an energy worker, you're all working with information. People all day long work with information. They just aren't so aware that their system is designed to produce these maps of, for example, our surroundings are all mapped out by what we call our subconscious. So everybody is working with it in their own unique way. And we use these words simply to communicate. You know, and I know that's, you know, the beauty of a podcast is we are communicating about this. And, you know, I looked up communication the other day because I love looking up words. And, <laughs> and the Latin root to communare, I think is what it was, is to share. Oh, nice. So, you know, we're sharing in how can people understand more about not just science, but how does this all tie together? How do we live this amazing life? in our own unique ways. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of teaching people how to work with their intuition because I believe it is built in. We used to call it our instincts, right? Mm -hmm. Or gut feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so our system, I think part of it is, is to demystify this idea is, is that everything about us is already interpreting information. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's for our conscious awareness. That's what we want. We want to be consciously aware of our intuition. Yes. So, you know, people will get that in different ways. Like you and I've talked about, maybe they have a feeling sensing, or maybe they have clear sight, you know, they're clairvoyant, which not every energy worker is. I certainly know that. And so 
the couple of things I'm going to offer are simple, yet they're really useful. And my teachers, thankfully, have all been very, that's their guideline is I'll use it as long as it's useful. And if it's not useful anymore, then, you know, I'll go on with something that's more useful. So that's always a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing really taps into um, how our brainwave states work. So when we want to be in a calmer brainwave state, this exercise is going to be very easy. I will encourage your listeners, please do not do this in your car or operating any machinery. And uh, you could be sitting and listening to us, which would be great. So then you're sitting in your chair, like I know you are, Donna, and so am I. And we're just getting settled for the moment and we're kind of just tuning into our breath. And we're just becoming more aware that we're here sitting on our body just listening to this podcast. And maybe the science kind of set people over and they want to let that go for now. Okay, so then the exercise is very simple. I say start with your eyes open and just look up. So for me, I'm looking actually up at the ceiling. I'm not tilting my head. I'm just looking up, kind of past my glasses a little bit. But don't strain your eyes. Just look up naturally. And what this is doing, you'll start feeling... Maybe you're feeling a little more settled. Body might be relaxing. Maybe you notice your shoulders drop down a little. Or maybe the diaphragm releases. Or maybe you just notice your legs more. I notice my eyes getting a little tired. Okay. So don't strain. Mm-hmm. And what this brings us to is it immediately brings us into alpha brainwave states. So go ahead and just rest now, and I'll just explain this real quick. So our everyday thinking waves tend to be more in the beta, which is a little quicker. And so alpha would be, and many people describe it this way, so you know, it's like watching a sunset and it's really beautiful and you're very relaxed or you're sort of daydreaming, you know, all the things that our teachers didn't want us to do when we were little. And it's a great place where you can get into meditation. So this more relaxed state helps us be more receptive to our, our intuition, to new ideas. And this is actually founded in science because all the great scientific discoveries and I've read up on most of those physicists, have all been more of a right brain. Aha. So they might use their linear thinking process, but then they get stuck. The, the linear mind can't go any farther. And so this type of, you know, Einstein would stare at his white wall, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, or you stare into the fire, and you, you get into this more relaxed state and then inspiration can come from more of a whole brain or right brain activity. People that paint or create music more than likely are in this place. So that's easy enough for us to start with. Excellent. How often do you recommend doing it? Well, anytime you get stumped on something, try it. 
because it will kind of loosen things up. But I would say that people, you know, that have trouble sleeping, that could relax their monkey mind. You know, a lot of my clients call it monkey mind. Mm -hmm. You know, and try and get those brainwave states into a more harmonious sort of rhythm. But I would just have people play with it and see what they notice. Maybe when you feel triggered, you could try it too? You could, or you're feeling more tense, or, you know, we're having this interview today. You know, you can say, okay, I'm doing a new activity. I'm a little not sure about it. And, you know, before you give a speech. So there's lots of ways that that can be utilized. And one more question. How long do you have to do it for? I mean, just a couple of minutes is yeah, enough? Yeah, just a few moments. Just okay. a few moments. Because what you're doing is, is the way that the eyes are positioned accesses different parts of the brain. Mm. So that one just happens to bring us more into the alpha brainwave state. Excellent. Thank you. And it's good, too. I mean, we're talking about, you know, developing our intuition and our sensories so that we can know what's right for us. That is a more receptive state. So that's helpful for those kinds of things or slipping into your meditation, being a, in a creative activity. Nice. So then the second piece, um, you don't have to do them together. You can totally do them separately. So the second one is more to kind of ground us in our bodies. That will help relax our bodies and relax our minds. This is more about getting kind of grounded in our body and more balanced. Okay. And and so, again, just simply, we're sitting, we're relaxed, and we're going to use our imagining this time, which is a powerful tool for any kind of healing. They've done a lot of research on that. And so we're going to see the bottom of our feet. So your feet might be in socks or shoes or on the floor, or maybe you're outside. And so just imagine white light on the soles of your feet, under your feet. Just imagine like your, your whole foot is painted in a white light, just on the bottom of your foot. Mm -hmm. Now, you do both feet simultaneously. And you will start balancing, I've noticed, the left and right side parts of the body. Nice. A lot of people tend to be a little bit out of their bodies, more in their minds, a lot of daily activities. So this really helps kind of anchor us more into the present moment. And what I have also noticed is people that have a tendency to maybe more energy in the right side of their body or the left side of their body, it tends to even the body out. And we kind of get into the midline, you know, sort of the midline, vertical midline of our body, which happens to be where a lot of our energy centers are, which is good. And our all of our main organs too. Lovely. So those two, like I said, can be used differently. Um, you could be talking to somebody and imagining the white light under your feet and just trying to bring, you, bring yourself more into the moment. People, people ask me, it's like, well, how do I get more in the moment? How do I get more open to receiving information? And, you know, information's everywhere. It's up for us to be the receiver, right? Mm -hmm. and the translator or the filter too <laughs> yeah, sometimes we have filters that we have to release right like mm -hmm. it's not possible for me or you know everybody seems to have better intuition than me everybody has it it's not a special gift everybody has their operating system some of us are just more aware of it i think is the key mm -hmm. yeah and with practice 
Absolutely. You become and more and more aware. You do. And I would say to people, I always like to say, you know, if you are interested in developing your own balance, your own energy more, doing your own balancing, which I feel is a real important empowerment for us in today's life, then recognize it is possible for you. And start with little things that don't matter. You know, if you drive down the same street every day and you feel like turning down the other street and going just a little different way, then do and see what happens. Hmm. So, so it doesn't have to be, you know, oh my gosh, I have this life-changing decision I have to make. That's not really the best time to start trying to connect to your <laughs> You can, you know, all Donna, every single one of my important decisions I've made in my life have all been based on my intuition. And it was very clear. I mean, I physically had experiences. Hmm. So people wonder about, well, I don't know. Start small where it doesn't matter. There isn't so much weight. The mind isn't so worried that we're going to get it wrong. And you know, you be more in an open heart, like a child. They wouldn't care. They just get up and do it again. You know, like I, I didn't make that swing this time. It's like I'm going to do it again. You know, they could do it 50 times, and you're ready to get them in the car. You know, to go home, right? I yeah, and, and that leads to a big part of, you know, not taking that turn that you feel, um, you know, inspired to suddenly is because we're at such busy schedules and we don't want to be late for where we're getting to. And so I think part of it too is, is, is letting go of some of that, you know, busy busyness of our lives and taking the time to allow that space for experiencing it. That's, I think the key. And that's what I do like to tell people is, you know, like any new skill, if you want to start doing your own healing on yourself, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whatever skill you're looking to develop, maybe you want to make jewelry, you still have to apply yourself and have space for it. Yep. And time for it. And this is no different. Yep. So, you know, I really, you know, you know me in my office, Donna, I really want people to be able to make the right decisions for themselves because it's you. It's the most powerful place for you to be. And anybody that's doing any kind of healing work or you know, like you, you've done educational work for people. It's, you know, we're aiding, we're aiding. It's you, you're, we're empowering you to be in that, that important place for yourself. Wow. Well, thank you so much for those two exercises, Carrie Ann. And that leads us really to your free video training that you talked about. Also, can you share just with us how people can learn more about you and about these long distance sessions that you do and the holographic landscape? Sure. So if you're in our local community, you can easily find me on the website carrieannesmith.com. I'm also available there long distance. In our local community, I do hold an office where I do esoteric acupuncture. And I do these sessions or pieces of these sessions before acupuncture. And then my office number is there and people can also access uh, for the long distance work there as well. And so if you go to carrieannesmith.com, I have a page I made that says a gift and you don't need to sign up for anything to get the gift. I'm just going to be real clear about that. And it's just an audio. It's about 10 minutes that I made. It's the number one thing I think is the most important thing about developing your intuition. Nice. Thank you. So, you know, act, like you said, you know, higher guidance, if you will, or greater guidance or more information, if you will, 
is around us, it's within us, and we're the best ones to really discover that. And so that's just what that video is about. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you to our listeners. Please go to carriensmith.com to learn more about this kind of energy work and access Carrie Ann's video. Also, Carrie Ann, I'll get with you. I'd love to get a little bit more of names of some of those scientific books in case people want to read more. And we'll put that on this post, everyone, at simplylivingwellness.com. Just look on this page below the podcast recording. You can get all the resources that were mentioned today. So thank you for coming on, and I look forward to having you back, Carrie Ann. Our next discussion, which is going to be about the transmedium work that you do. So super excited. I encourage everybody to come back and listen to our next episode. Thank you for having me, Donna. Thank you, everybody, for sharing your valuable time with us. And uh, don't be overwhelmed by the science. Life is magical.